In five, three. That's tomorrow, and that is it. Again, five, four. That's tomorrow, and that is it for us today. And we will leave you with a. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Nick, this thing sucks. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? End of day. The freedom of speech is being taken away. What do you think happens? Or where do they die? Uh, I, do you believe in heaven? Whatever. Do you know? I don't know. 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 I don't those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Or go to michaeldeacon.com for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of this program please feel free uh to call in yeah please feel free to call in no doubt i was uh hesitating there yeah go ahead call in whenever your heart desires that number is 760-332-8724 or on skype end of days mike letter y and not a nut on september 11th 2001 the unthinkable happened our great nation was attacked the World Trade Center's Twin Towers and the Pentagon met a terrible demise. Oh, how the world would change on that Tuesday morning. My guest tonight is Richard Gage. Richard Gage. Richard Gage, AIA, is the founding member, architects, and engineers for 9-11 Truth. He has been a practicing architect for over 20 years and has worked on most types of building construction, including numerous fireproofed steel frame buildings. Gage has delivered his live multimedia presentation 9-11 Blueprint for Truth more than 550 times in 44 foreign countries and 110 American cities to audiences ranging from 4 to 4,000. He has appeared in more than 600 radio and television spots. And now he returns here on End of Days. I believe now we have Mr. Richard Gage on the line. Uh, Richard, how are you doing? I'm feeling good, Mike, Michael. I'm, and this is exciting. Looking forward to speaking to your audience about this important subject. Oh, you and me both. And it's been such a long time since we last talked. 2014, I believe. Let's do it again. Oh, yes, certainly. So welcome back to End of Days. Thank you for being here and sharing your time with all of us. It's always fun to talk to you here on the program. Welcome back. Thanks so much. Oh, yes. Before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Richard, for those who are new to all of this? Well, yeah, I, I've, I've um, been an architect for over 30 years and started out in the San Francisco Bay Area, where most of my career was. I've worked on, uh, most recently, uh, a large project in the, uh, in the Bay Area uh, in near Las Vegas with 1,200 tons of fireproof steel framing. I'm uh, I'm, I, for the last, uh, I don't know, six years or so now, 
I have been full-time educating other architects, engineers, the government, the media, and the public about the three World Trade Center skyscrapers on 9-11. Because uh, in March of 2006, I heard for the first time that uh, there was evidence that uh, contradicted completely the official story of these three collapses, which were really catastrophic destructions of high-rises, and according to NIST, by fire, substantially, uh, and in the case of Building 7, by, completely, by only by fire. And so that made no sense when you actually look at these buildings. So that's when I got started uh, dedicating myself to finding out what really happened myself and then teaching others about it. Understood. And do you remember that Tuesday morning? Well, yeah. I was in my my uh, condominium. Uh, I was uh, looking at these towers coming down. I mean, we were we were attacked uh, on the mainland. We, we we didn't know when the next attack was coming. Uh, this this was putting us in a state of shock. And I was I remember feeling, what the hell am I looking at? Right. What am I feeling? You know, I was feeling fear. I was feeling terror. And I, I didn't know what I was looking at. I mean, we'd never seen. Towers come down from like the Twin Towers did. They were a very explosive event, and yet it just seemed impossible, given what was going on, that there would be explosions going on in those towers. So uh, I just kind of accepted what they told us, and had never heard that day about the third skyscraper to come down, uh, 47-story World Trade Center 7. So I didn't. I just put the whole thing behind me and and just waited, continue waving my flag, uh, metaphorically speaking, I'm a Reagan Republican, if you will. I was for going into Afghanistan and Iraq and getting those bastards that did this to us. Understood. Many Americans felt the same way. And, Richard, I actually got in trouble the morning of 9-11 for being, I guess you can say, conspiratorial. And rightfully so. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it was a little too early for being that way. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. I I mean, I have great respect for people who somehow could lift themselves up above the fear that we were all experiencing and see objectively what was going on and start to ask questions that uh, were extremely unpatriotic at that time. Correct. And correct. for the first four years, without any support from the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, because there were none. Richard, even today, this this subject matter is still... Very sensitive for many Americans out there. Oh, yeah. It's like we can't even talk about it. That's right. It's, it's very difficult. I, I, I mean, I'm an architect. I have a certain degree of expertise. You would think my, uh, my own family and friends would, would care to listen to the actual you, oh, yes. evidence. The you, you would assume they'd be more argue, receptive to you. You don't argue with the facts. Right, right. Right. But no, when the facts contradict our worldview, we enter a, a psychological defense mechanism uh, process that uh, that protects us, and and we very quickly uh, put down those facts or come up with bullshit answers uh, for them uh, that don't really respond uh, scientifically or logically, but that uh, serve to distance us from the exposure that we're about to experience. Understood. And of course, your main focus has been on Building Seven, another subject that. Many people aren't even aware of today, which is ludicrous, really. Well, this should have been the most studied collapse in all of, uh, 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 of every. This is the third worst structural failure in modern history. All architects and engineers 
should be studying it, finding out exactly what happened. But guess what? Starting two weeks after 9-11, this steel from World Trade Center 7 was carted away to China for recycling before investigators could get a proper investigation. That's what I read. And, and, mm-hmm. and then seven years later, NIST comes out. Finally, seven years later, when people who did know about Building 7 have basically forgotten about it. I mean, the wars were ongoing, and, and you know, uh, we're, we're all committed. Uh, and yet the, the, the NIST report in Appendix C, excuse me, the FEMA report in Appendix C, even two years later, uh, documents a metal in their detailed metallurgical examination uh, finding uh, steel temperatures uh, that exceed uh, what normal office fires can do by thousands of degrees. So here's uh, here's a, a hot corrosion attack on the steel, a hot molten iron, uh, extreme heat, uh, and uh, sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. They're documenting partial evaporation of the ends of the beam. Well, this is what incendiaries do. This is the work of thermite, an incendiary that used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. This isn't what fires do. So we have the evidence by officials, not just FICMA in this case, which, by the way, NIST completely threw out this metallurgical examination in their final report, which did come out seven years after this building collapsed in the afternoon of 9-11, 5.20 in the afternoon, uh, not having been hit by a plane, by the way. This building nevertheless collapses after witnesses hear explosions. The building drops straight down uniformly, symmetrically, into its own footprint in under seven seconds in the exact manner of a classic controlled demolition. Right, and I believe Rudy Dent also was saying something along the lines of hearing explosions as well, the firefighter. Yeah, Rudy Dent is a firefighter. He was on the pile working on it, and he had experiences with Building 7 like that also. So I'm, uh, and he's not the only one. I mean, firefighters describe uh, a, 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 a steel, molten steel flowing like lava. The World Trade Center structural engineer himself, Leslie Robertson, underneath the Twin Towers, described a river of steel flowing. And he was just like, his eyes were wide open. And, and, and there's dozens of engineers and hundreds of firefighters and first responders and iron workers uh, trying to save these people in these incredibly hot uh, temperatures underneath all three piles that were documented uh, at 2,800 degrees by Bechtel and, and many others. Fires don't get that hot. Jet fuel, uh, it's just a hydrocarbon. It doesn't burn any hotter than desks or chairs, you know, maybe 1,500 degrees at the very hottest, and yet these temperatures exceeded three thousand degrees as as documented and we know what can do that uh thermite uh, can do that thermite is patented uh and was prior to 9-11 for use in cutter charges uh which uh is a different way to bring buildings down by placing these shaped cutter charges against the columns and beams in the building uh now that you wouldn't you wouldn't normally use those uh normally you'd use high energy explosives like or an RDX, and uh, the these would require uh, these would have loud signatures, uh, audio and visual signatures, blasts and flashes. So uh, apparently, in a deceptive controlled demolition, what would want to be used is something with a, a a signature that most people wouldn't have picked up 
And they sure tried to ignore it in the NIST report by omitting uh, the metallurgical examination, by omitting uh, these these uh, all this data of of temperatures exceeding two and three thousand degrees, by omitting the hundreds of witnesses of explosions, which are uh, dominant uh, everywhere and yet which don't occur in any of the final reports. In August of 2005, the New York Court State of Appeals uh, forced the city of New York to release the audio report from from these uh, the testimony from these first responders, uh, hundreds of them. And it turns out 156 of them are talking about explosions, experiencing explosions. And you can see these explosions um, blowing solid materials out of the side of the Twin Towers in, in these isolated explosives called squibs that are occurring 20, 40, 60 stories down below the zone of destruction in the Twin Towers. Yes, it's, it's really fishy when you look at that footage closely. You definitely see those implosions on the sides, and they definitely make you question what exactly happened there if there really were explosions. And it, to, to me personally, it kind of seems that way. I'm leaning towards that myself, and of course I'm someone who's very skeptical. But after seeing the footage for so many years now, it's been, what, 16 years, Richard? Oh, yeah, and, and let's go into it. I mean, we, we have a DVD that... This uh, is crazy. This is insane, though. Of course, these heavy steel construction buildings like the Twin Towers are not generally capable of this whole pancake collapse. Yeah, people can see this uh, th- uh, this free landmark documentary, 9-11 Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out, on uh, YouTube. Uh, just search for it. Uh, it's an extraordinary, the free one-hour version is right there on YouTube for everybody to see. And in addition to these isolated explosives, explosions, you see these four-ton structural steel sections hurled laterally at 60 to 80 miles an hour out of the side of the towers, laterally, landing 600 feet in every direction, isolated, freely flying, four-ton structural steel sections, uh, this is not the work of gravity, which we'd expect in a gravitational collapse or a pancaking collapse. This is the work of explosive force uh, capable of hurling a 200-pound a cannonball three miles. And there are thousands of these cannonball-like uh, uh, structural steel sections. This is extraordinary evidence. And they're trailed by thick white smoke clouds. Well, that's what thermite does. It releases thick white smoke clouds, which is actually aluminum oxide gas, as the aluminum uh, uh, takes on the oxide from the uh, iron oxide. Those are the two primary ingredients of thermite. But when you add sulfur, it becomes even more effective at cutting through steel. And indeed, sulfur is what's the biggest mystery documented by the New York Times in this metallurgical examination. The presence of a sulfur corrosion attack on the steel. Well, NIST comes out and says, oh, that couldn't be, uh, uh, that, that, that would have to be from the calcium sulfate in gypsum board. Well, gypsum board has never turned around and attacked the steel that it has been designed to protect for over a hundred years. Yes, of course. Nanothermite was found on, uh, in the debris rather on ground zero, if I recall correctly. Oh, it's found all through the, the World Trade so. Center oh, okay. dust. Mm-hmm. The, what? No, I was agreeing with you. I just was saying, oh, okay, it was found yeah. everywhere. 
Oh yeah, uh, what we're talking about is dual dual layered red gray chips. Oh, okay. Uh, that's about mm-hmm. a six inch long. They are uh, distributed evenly throughout the uh, World Trade Center, and this is um, absolutely amazing find by this team of scientists led by Niels Harrod and uh, and and Stephen Jones. Uh, these scientists have documented in a 25-page peer-reviewed paper the testing and analysis that they've done on these these chips. They look like paint, uh, but they're not. They come up to a magnet. They have iron in them, so they have the ingredients of thermite, which they got real curious about in their X-ray energy dispersive spectroscopy. Well, they go in 50,000 times with an electron microscope. They zoom in, and they they find uh, all of these nanoparticles a thousand times smaller than the diameter of a human hair of the ingredients of thermite, iron oxide, and aluminum, uh, platelets. These are in, this is very, very special stuff, and it's set in an organic bed of oxygen, silica, carbon. So you have the ingredients of thermite and incendiary set in an organic bed here, which organic materials produce the explosive force in TNT because they expand. Uh, so this is a highly engineered product, which when they put in a heater, uh, ignites at 400, uh, well, about eight or 900 degrees Fahrenheit. And when it ignites, it produces these spheres. Previously, well, they're molten iron microspheres. And the, what are molten iron microspheres coming from paint? You know, it doesn't happen. It's a very sophisticated thermetic material, therefore. And these are the same, these spheres have the exact same chemical composition of, and look the same, and are the same, uh, as the billions of previously molten iron microspheres found in all the World Trade Center dust samples by the U.S. Geological Survey and their toxicological studies, by the R.J. Lee and Environmental Concern Firm uh, doing their studies, and they, they don't know where these spheres come from, but there's so many of them, and they're so unique to the World Trade Center dust that they identify it as a signature element. It's not World Trade Center dust unless it has all these unknown spheres of unknown origin, and yet they're exactly what's reproduced when these chips, which are also found in all the dust, are ignited in, in the fire, uh, in, in the heater. So this is experimental data that's repeatable, uh, that is self-corroborating, and that is, can be used uh, to, in a court of law to prove uh, how these towers came down. But no, we can't get it into a court of law because... Um, uh, the, all the court cases are funneled through Judge Hellerstein. By the way, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I'm glad you mentioned that, by the way, Richard. And I'm sorry to cut you off there. I just want to bring to light to you that that's one of the criticisms that you have been receiving over the years, the whole court document case. Um, what, what do you mean? Well, they people have been speculating, why haven't you uh, gone and try to make a case out of all of this, and I, I believe you have, and you're just covering that now. Oh, well, we've sued uh, 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 FEMA and NIST to receive documents Correct. that yeah. legally mm-hmm. required to be turned over in a Freedom of Information Act request. We've also submitted requests for correction, which is a legal process, which also forced them to answer the question, how did the towers come down? Because their entire analysis, uh, was, they were charged by Congress to explain how all three towers came down. And, and, and they acknowledge hidden in a footnote on page 82, footnote, footnote number 13, uh, that the towers, uh, that we didn't, an, we didn't analyze 
uh, any, anything after the initiation of collapse. Right. In other words, we didn't calculate the ability of the cold, hard impact steel below the point of jet plane impact to resist that falling block, in the case of the North Tower, uh, 15 stories. They, they just basically speculated that the steel couldn't handle it. Well, this is what rocket uh, uh, structural engineers do for, for a living. I mean, they, 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 they know how to do this. They do it every day. And so it was completely avoided because it would have shown that that right. section below the point of jet plane impacts never could have collapsed. The physics of it that they explained on the, I believe, was the uh, Warren Commission, correct? It, it just didn't add up. Uh, what do you mean by the Warren Commission? That's JFK. I mean the Warren Commission. I'm sorry. Uh, the 9-11 Commission report. Uh, I just, oh. Yeah, they were exp- they were trying to explain what happened. And it just seemed ridiculous to me. Uh, the building... Oh, yeah. It's been- right. Okay. If the impact would have been what they tried to explain it was, that would mean that the building would have toppled over instead of just falling, having a free fall, basically. Right. Um, it, it, it couldn't have free, freely fallen. No, no doubt. At, at, at almost as fast as a bowling ball falling out of the sky... Uh, it, it couldn't have fallen that fast through uh, 80,000 tons of structural steel that was five times stronger than it needed to be to hold this building up, as if it weren't even there. It makes That's no how sense. Fast it You're right. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, nor does it make sense that it fell uh, symmetrically straight down. I mean, if there was going to be a, 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 a collapse initiated by weakened columns uh, which is the the column failure theory of NIST uh, around the point of jet plane impacts due to the fires sagging the floor trusses or causing them to sag and weaken and sag, pulling in the perimeter columns. And then this 15-story section uh, then drove the rest of the building down to the ground and then destroyed itself. So that's completely ludicrous, violates all the laws of physics. You can look at it this way. If you run a Mack truck into a Volkswagen, who wins, right? There's an equal and opposite destructive force. Right. The lighter structure above cannot possibly destroy the heavier, intact, cold, hard steel below, uh, which is, um, this is like a virtual pyramid uh, of a structure. It makes no sense whatsoever. Plus, in the videos themselves, they reveal that the upper part is destroying itself. In the first four seconds, just like the Volkswagen would, actually, it telescopes in on itself very similar to Building 7 in the first four seconds. After that is when the fire department officials uh, who are on record uh, say that there was all these explosions, pop, 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 like a, like a belt all the way around the building. And then you see the freely flying structural steel sections. You see the pulverization of 90,000 tons of concrete in midair. I mean, these aren't concrete floors that are collapsing, pancaking on themselves and, and then, and then reaching their gravitational potential energy at the bottom and then crashing and breaking up the concrete. No, we see virtually no concrete at the bottom of either of these uh, towers. Uh, what we see is it pulverizing in midair and that cloud uh, expands rapidly, uh, 10 times the volume in just 30 seconds, which is incredible heat producing those cauliflower-shaped clouds that are expanding so fast. That's the kind of heat that uh, uh, thousands of degrees uh, and, and, and throughout the building causes that kind of expansion, not the few 
uh, scattered fires that remain in the towers at the time of the collapse. Those are only by, by measurement from the thermal imagery from, from clear uh, cameras. Uh, they only document uh, two or three hundred degree temperatures at the time of the collapse. Oh, Richard, it's just jet fuel. That's what happened. Well, the jet fuel <laughs> was burned up in... <laughs> yes, in, I'm just out, mimicking 90%. them, yes. Let me finish. Go ahead, go ahead. 90% of the jet fuel was burned. 90% of the jet fuel is burned up outside the towers. And, and that's it. People don't really understand that. They think, oh my God. Uh, and then the rest of it, uh, was gone in 10 minutes. Correct. And it's a 45 minutes to 90 minutes after the planes hit the towers that these uh, towers, uh, be, be explode all over the place as the witnesses described and then come down nearly symmetrically. I believe there was a senior custodian in the North Tower. I believe he reported massive explosions in the basement. Yep, yep, and that's before the plane hit, by the way. William Rodriguez, uh, he, he, I think his name was. That's correct. And and uh, there are, there's people who were badly hurt, if not killed also, uh, very well documented uh, in these explosions. I suggest or speculate that those may have been sabotaging the sprinklers because I don't think that uh, structurally you would weaken the foundation of a 110-story building and uh, uh, if you're in charge of this operation and allow it to possibly tip over then as a result. Yeah, there's a lot to go over here. It just really makes you question the whole narrative even further once you actually examine the evidence under a certain eye. It's kind of devastating if, if all of this really happened the way they the way they allegedly claim it happened. Yeah. Terrible it's, stuff, there's really. so many questions. There really but is. That's why we that's why we now have twenty nine hundred architects and engineers signed on to the public petition demanding of Congress a new investigation. That's why we're going to Washington DC next week, uh well on September eleventh in the National Press Club. We're gonna have a press conference. We're gonna be announcing the Bobby McElvain Act. Uh, Bobby died in the entering the North Tower of explosions, which, again, are denied by the official story, the official narrative coming out of NIST and, and our government. And uh, Bob McElvain, his father, is on the warpath. He wants truth and justice here uh, for all the family members. So we'll be announcing this act, which requires Congress to investigate the three towers. And we're going to be delivering this package to all 535 members of Congress, which includes uh, the study uh, the results of the study, which are uh, preliminary at this point uh, from the University of Alaska, whom we've hired to conduct a, a two-year, $300,000 computerized finite element analysis of World Trade Center Building 7. And this is shaking up the professional and academic communities already, as he's already said uh, in early on, a year ago, no way could fire have brought those buildings down. And I agree completely. We've seen fires in many different constructions over the years, and none have ever been brought down due to fire. Absolutely. We've had a 100 much larger, longer-lasting, and hotter fires in these buildings, very notably uh, in, in, since 9-11, that have consumed high-rises from bottom to top, and yet not one has uh, completely collapsed by fire alone. This is uh, a little fishy. And absolutely. It's, 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 it's a, a precedent. A little that, weird. Yes. That, um, yeah. That, 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 I mean, you would think that since it 
the Building 7 particularly looked exactly like a controlled demolition, and fires never brought down a high-rise, that NIST would have taken seriously the hypothesis of controlled demolition, right? Right. It should have been their, probably their only serious hypothesis, uh, so, but they, they completely uh, shelved that hypothesis in favor of their narrative. Again, World Trade Center Tower well, 7 came down in what many believe was a classic controlled demolition at exactly 5.20 p.m., and, of course, we all know what Larry Silverstein had suggested, uh, pull it. Well, let's talk about that. This was a year later. Uh-huh. In, uh, on a, he's interviewed on a program called America Rebuild, uh, which was shown on PBS, and he's interviewed about Building 7, asked in this case. He says, well, uh, there's been uh, such terrible loss of life. Maybe the smartest thing to do was pull it. And they gave the order to pull and we watched the building collapse. Correct. And it <laughs> went down in just uh, 10 seconds or so, correct? Seven seconds, exactly. Seven, from top oh my goodness. to the bottom. Even faster. The overall collapse. And I, I, believe, oh, yeah. I believe we have a call here. I think they have a question for you, Richard. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. Um, Star, are you alive and well? Well, that's, that's an opinion, but <laughs> I think so. <laughs> nice. Hello, Richard. Hello. How are you, Star? Oh, well, Mike says I'm good, so I guess I'm good. <laughs> um, Yay! I, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm not Hannah. sure if this is a question, but it just seems to me, we all saw that uh, fire over in England recently and saw the whole building consume, but yet it's still standing. It's gutted, but it's standing. Uh, and another uh. thing about the Building 7, nothing seemed to crash into it, yet it, it collapsed. You've probably already gone over this, but these are things that have just kind of stood out in my mind since uh, 9-1-1 happened. Uh, I, and one thing on that day when I saw the replay, because they kept replaying the crashes over and over again, how could that collapse? There wasn't that much fire damage at the top uh, to validate that whole building collapse and from the bottom the fire was at the top how the hell was it supposed to get to the bottom so just there's you're so talking about conflict. building seven uh, Sorry, no, you're talking I'm about talking building about seven the, the planes crashed into the towers there's the the fire it's big but it wouldn't constitute a collapse and the collapse came from the bottom how did the fire get down there well, no, the, so yeah in the twin towers that, in the twin so towers we have the fire is brought up i deal with Right. In the Twin Towers, we have the collapse uh, and the, at the point of where the greatest damage was, which is the point of impact of the airplane. Uh, there's no uh, – there was explosions, interestingly enough, at, at lower in the towers, uh, huge white clouds before the collapse. This, and this, this makes no sense other than, you know, by, uh, by explosion. Um, but the actual collapse does begin at the point of jet plane impacts, um, in, instead of below, so I want to make that point of correction. Um, and then what we're told that the this upper part uh, then drove the rest of the building down to the ground, but it's gone. Uh, as we mentioned in the first four seconds, it has destroyed itself. There's nothing left to drive the rest of the building down to the ground. Uh, yes, it's, exactly. it's being torn exactly. apart, huh? And it's the foundation that collapse first. If you if you look at the video, you'll see the smoke coming up from the bottom. That's where the explosion. Well, there is happened. smoke. Or yeah, gas, there is I smoke coming say. up. There is smoke coming up from the bottom, 
of the towers, but that's not where it, the, the collapse began. There's no downward oh. movement of the overall World Trade Center towers. It all starts down up at the point of jet plane impacts, and I think that's important that to understand. That's clearly what the videos show, and it's because this is a deceptive controlled demolition. They want us to – it's a magic show. They, they fly the planes into the buildings. Well, I say they. I, I, we don't know who was flying those planes. Most researchers believe these were drones that were remotely guided, specially outfitted military planes. I haven't done this research. Others have. Right. So uh, that can be Googled. Um, but certainly, uh, the the buildings um, then res- respond not to the fires. The fires are virtually out at the time of the impact. They were cold. Uh, indicated by the an oxygen starved, indicated by the thick black smoke, and then <clears throat> then these explosions happen all of a sudden, starting all this downward movement at near freefall acceleration. This is clocked by physicists as 60 percent of freefall, meaning the whole thing is descending in about a dozen seconds, but faster and faster and faster. It does not slow down at all when it is met by the cold, hard impact steel. You can only do that by removing the columns sequentially timed with explosives. So it had to have been weakened prior to the crash in some way. I don't think that's necessarily uh, okay, uh, demonstrated by the evidence. It could be that the, um, the explosives and incendiaries occur uh, after the crash, uh, 56 minutes in the case of the South Tower, 102 minutes in the case of the North Tower. Okay. Another question, and I don't know if you've researched this area, but were there any cell phone transmissions from the passengers prior to the crash when the passengers obviously felt something was going on when the plane picked up speed and started nosediving toward the tower? Were any passengers able to get cell phone calls out before then, or were they all completely? I know they uh, they killed one of the stewardesses, and I'm just wondering whether any transmissions got out from the passenger that were not being told about, or actually they were not able to. Yeah, this is something I was going to ask Richard about myself about the whole cell phone thing. The signal would be too weak, uh, apparently from uh, certain. Certain altitude, I believe, and Japanese researchers put this to the test, I believe. Okay. Oh, many researchers did, and 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 cell phones were not working at thirty thousand feet back then. Right. So I, one of either either there's two camps on this. One is David Ray Griffin, who exposes the uh, voice morphing technology, where um, strangers, um, agents of some kind, uh, made those phone calls to those family members of uh, having recorded and morphed uh, their voices into the family members. Correct. That's one possibility. I don't know. Another possibility is that those planes that actually had the passengers on them were grounded and then uh, uh, were were either forced, coerced, or encouraged somehow to make those calls uh, from the ground. I don't know. Hey, well, what happened to the pure speculation on my part. On the plane? Yeah, th- this is an interesting no hypothesis oh. for sure. Oh, and, mm-hmm. oh rabbit holes. It, oh, it really, goodness. yeah, it gets interesting once you really break it down. That cell phones on a plane above, I believe it's what, like 10,000 feet? They, they can't communicate with ground uh, cell stations. And this was back in the early days. 
Okay, Mike, I'm yeah. going to hop off so I can hear the rest of the show without interrupting. No but problem. Thank you very much, Richard. I'll be, I'll continue to listen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the call. Bye-bye. And that was Star. Great call, by the way. Very yeah, interesting. Thanks. Yeah, very, very interesting. Uh, take on a lot of these uh, situations that happened that morning. There was all sorts of conflicting reports going on left and right that morning. People were in chaos. Yeah, they were. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Uh, of course, Richard, I, I did want to ask you ab- about another another little conflicting thing here. Uh, have you actually got into any other debates with other architects and engineers who do not accept the claims of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth? Um, yes. Uh, I've, I've debated physicists, as a matter of fact, uh, as well, and, and um, any, skeptics. Any uh, recent magazine. ones, by the way? Um, no, there haven't been any debates for a couple of years now. Oh, okay. Um, we're very open to debating uh, any qualified professional uh, any, any anywhere. Um, so uh, that has not uh, come up for a couple of years for, for some unknown reason. Ah, okay. But uh, we've recorded. If you, Interesting. If, you, if your listeners Google um, debate uh, AE 9-11 Truth or debate Richard Gage, uh, there's about seven recorded uh, debates that have happened, and you'll hear the most interesting things coming out of people's mouths, such as physicist uh, mm-hmm. da- David Mueller, Richard Mueller. Richard Mueller, right. Uh, and, uh, and David Thomas, uh, whom, whom we debated. Uh, these are very intelligent people who actually said, well, of course it could fall at free fall. It's 90% air after all, completely ignoring uh, tried and true for 100 years structural principles <laughs> that require three to five times over design of structural columns to resist the loads uh, imposed really, on them by <laughs> uh, above. He really said that. Yeah, you know what he wow. said? He said, well, just put. Take a straw out of a soda uh, cup and, and 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 put your hand on it, and, and and as soon as it gives way, it takes virtually no effort. Well, try putting uh, uh, about uh, thirty straws uh, vertically, which is what we're really talking about here in terms of structural strength, and then try to crush it with your hand. Uh, first of all, you don't have you'd need an incredible dynamic load to overcome the initial resistance, and, and those straws are unbraced. The columns in the towers, all three of them, are braced every floor laterally. You would need a vice to crush those straws once they're braced. So these are intelligent people who are making very irrational statements and leaps of logic in order to support their agenda, which is to uh, keep the official narrative in place. Now, why do they do that? I don't know. It could be because uh, Richard Mueller is involved with the uh, University of Berkeley's extension project. It's not extension, but uh, part of the uh, lab there, Lawrence Livermore Lab, uh, which which is a Lawrence Berkeley Lab, uh, which is uh, funded almost completely by uh, defense contractors. Um, and the same with Dave Thomas over at um, uh, University uh, Tech Institute uh, in New Mexico. Uh, something like that. He definitely and, has and, an agenda. So, mm-hmm. yeah, these people come out and they make these kinds of arguments. And same with uh, this character over at Skeptics Magazine. I, I forget his name right now, but he's kind of famous for being a skeptic. But he's not a skeptic 
as anything, the government says he's only a skeptic of those who have serious questions, who have raised the skepticism of 2,900 architects and engineers who are signed publicly onto a petition calling for a new investigation based on scientific sound principles uh, that the, the official narrative has violated in, in all of these um, uh, reports that they put out about 9-11. Interesting enough, both CNN and the BBC did report World Trade Center Tower 7. They actually announced that it collapsed prematurely. Yeah, this I is amazing. That. Um, yeah, I recall the, that. The, BB, the BBC announced the collapse of Building 7 uh, 20 minutes before it ever happened. That's extraordinary reporting. That should they tell you everything. Why it co- they even give the reason why it collapsed. That is just interesting. They right apologize. There. Yeah, it is. They, they actually apologize for this grievous error, citing the confusing events of the day. What, does that make them psychic? I, apparently it does. <laughs> that, the CNN funny. announced the collapse of a 50 story building um, at 11.07. They, they said at 10.45. A fireman came running by saying a 50-story building collapsed. The canyons were filled with with all kinds of, well, there's no other building that collapsed. This was after the Twin Towers collapsed. Uh, and, and, and so this is this is an amazing uh, foreknowledge, uh, which, of course, you know, when you begin to plan and for a, a, a controlled demolition, there are people who know in advance. And in this case, apparently they wanted us to have the right story at the right time. So it gets out there, and people announce it too early. This is all uh, highly suspicious. And there's, by the way, there's um, also uh, mysterious construction workers walking away from Building 7 that are recorded on CNN. They hear an explosion over their shoulder, look back at the, uh, the, the Building 7. They look straight into the CNN camera, and they say, did you hear that? Uh, that, that building's coming down. Uh, it's going to blow up. Flame and debris coming down. This it's, is extraordinary. It is. How do they know the building's going to blow up? It's it outrageous, a, Richard. It has a few small scattered fires in this building. Fires don't blow up buildings. It never brought a skyscraper down before 9-11. It's, it's so interesting that, of course, fire and debris made, made World Trade Center Tower just collapse. Just like that. Magic. Yeah. Wow. I can't believe it, Richard. It's it's out it's, out, it's outrageous, really. And again, going back to NIST, let, let's talk about Peter Michael Ketchum really quickly here. What does he mean to the whole truth movement for you? Well, here's a 12 or 14 year employee of NIST, a mathematical ex. I guess he's used for all different kinds of projects over there, and he's just shocked that this uh, extraordinary collection of scientists under the name NIST, um, has uh, all of a sudden their reputation is tarnished by producing reports, which he says are are completely uh, complete violations of the laws of physics and the ethical standards, which he employed or was employed to, to uh, abide by at NIST, which is a, a agency, a federal agency under the Department of Commerce, whose leadership had been completely replaced by the Bush administration when they came into power just prior to 9-11. Understood. And I believe there's someone else who had a question for you, I, I believe. Let, let's see if they want to come in here really quickly. If not, we could keep going on here about this. Then I, oh, yep, they're here. Uh, did you have a call or a call, a question for Richard, sir? 
Yeah. Hey, Michael. It's Frank Bacon. How are you? I'm good, Frank. How are you? I'm good. And thanks for uh, having me. Uh, uh, Richard, you're, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, make it quick. It was uh, Building 7 for me that was the big um, interrupt. It was the big thing in my uh, psyche that, that kind of helped me to, to look at the messages. I'm wondering what you're finding to be one of the best, I don't know, interrupts in the number of conversations with getting people to kind of refocus and relook at the 9-11 uh, spectrum of evidence. <laughs> Yeah, and we, we certainly start with Building 7. Why? Because the nobody, according to the official story, nobody died in that building, so we don't have the emotional trauma uh, like with the Twin Towers, people jumping out of the building, the, the horrible collapse killing almost 3,000 people. Right. Building 7 was not hit by an airplane also. So when people look at this, they get it intuitively, instantly, without me dragging them through the litany of overwhelming scientific forensic evidence of its destruction, they can see in the videos, oh, yeah, that looks exactly like the old hotel in Las Vegas. When we say then, and I'm talking about uh, everywhere, including uh, architects' conventions, where we uh, show them the, the towers and they say, oh, yeah, that's a controlled demolition. I say, well, did you know this happened on 9-11? They go, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, this is the third tower that collapsed. Uh, and and uh, the official story is that it came down by fire, and the American Institute of Architects has endorsed that. And and you're you're an architect, and, and you're a member, so you're basically bought into a lie, which is not the kind of ethics that we have signed on to as members of the American Institute of Architects. Would you sign here, calling for a new investigation? Oh yeah. So we sign up architects left and right and engineers at the engineering conferences for that reason. We're not, we're not, uh, you know, it doesn't threaten our worldview, this third mm-hmm. building. But then, then you're in a position, though, uh, of having realized that there's been uh, fraudulent reports and lies uh, to talk then about the Twin Towers. They're a little more open-minded, uh, and, and, and so they can then entertain that discussion. And, you know, it takes a half hour, an hour to kind of, show the evidence properly. As we've done on this radio station, even without the benefit of graphics, um, people can, of course, follow up and see our free YouTube video, 9-11 Explosive Evidence Experts Speak Out, and then just walk them through uh, all of this evidence uh, yourself. Evidence are laid out on our website, and it's just pretty easy to do if people have half of an open mind. Now, I found that half the people do not have half of an open mind. That's true. Unfortunately. And it's so funny. Yeah. So many people claim they have an open mind, yet you realize they actually don't. Yeah. It's interesting, really. As, it's, as we and, and Michael and I have talked about before, there's a lot of confirmation bias. If people just don't want to believe that that's even possible, it's proof now that no amount of evidence can show them that because Correct. Yeah. Building 7 is just without a doubt. That was my red pill moment when somebody was showing me a video that said, this is an orange and this is a building falling at free fall. So it was just that clear. And uh, then, of course, the work you've done. I'll get right on that video. I want to thank you, Mr. Gage. Thank you for letting me drop in. Uh, Michael, I'll let you guys get back to the show. But I'll get that video spread around. And, and thanks for your time. Thank you kindly. Thank you. And, uh, Michael, I think it's important to – impress upon the minds of our listeners that this isn't just about a building or three buildings. Um, the, these, this, this was the seminal, this was the seminal event that caused two major wars, which we're still in. We're still in The there. longest yeah. wars in, in the U.S. history. Yeah. And two and million people have been killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. And we're going back. 
we've lost, if we're going back, um, we've got, we've lost our civil liberties. Uh, we've given them up uh, for security. Yeah, we really <laughs> we, any of us can be arrested without a right to a lawyer, a trial, a jury, and uh, th- we can be even held indefinitely. Uh, we we can be uh, uh, tortured or even assassinated. That's all, and I'm quoting legal, unquote. Um, uh, now, as a result of the Patriot Act, the Military Commissions Act, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, those those um those illegal um, unconstitutional acts are, are now quasi legal, and uh, it all goes back to 9/11. If there's any question about what happened to these towers, then we've got to have a real investigation, and your listeners can play an important part in that. What, what do they do? Well, get informed. As, as the gentleman uh, who just called said, he hadn't seen this video. That's right. Yeah. Well, this is what this is a the landmark video for the forensic evidence for the World Trade Center demolition. Everybody has to see it. And then, uh, and I think, personally, that we are all compelled to share this information with everybody in our sphere of influence, particularly architects and engineers, government officials, uh, the, the media. Uh, this, is, um, this is a grassroots movement, and it's growing, and it's not growing fast enough, though. Here we are 16 years later, and we're still pushing this rock up this hill of awareness, public awareness. Yeah, 16 years later, and we still can't talk about what happened that Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's toxic, isn't it? It really is. It's strange. It's really strange. And another thing is the whole the whole rumors about Mayor Giuliani, that he was warned that the Twin Towers were going to collapse. Why he didn't pass along that yes. information is beyond me. I'm not sure why he wouldn't notify the police or the firefighters. Of course, he yes, denies that, this today. Dark... Yes. Oh, yeah, he does, but he, he's, he's quoted. Well, we were told that the Twin Towers are going to collapse, and so we got out of there, and they did collapse. I mean, that's a quote. That's his That's his words, not mine, people. Yeah, he wasn't in the Twin Towers, but he was in a nearby building, which which he had evacuated after hearing that. But no warnings went out to the firefighters or the police. You know what, what's also... The police got some warning. What, what's also very cute about, about all of this, well, not cute, but I'm just paraphrasing here. It's interesting that FEMA was scheduled to conduct drills the next day. And they were already set up on Pier 92, I believe. It was the previous day. They said they went into uh, uh, Manhattan under, uh, for a biological drill. FEMA, thousands. That's a huge deal. It's weird that, and, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And and uh, he said, Tom Kenny from FEMA. So we went into action the next day, Tuesday, 9-11. Yeah, I was just going to mention, it's rather strange that anytime there's some sort of disaster, there's always some sort of a FEMA drill scheduled around there <laughs> isn't that weird yeah yeah uh, yeah that's happened in a number of other suspicious uh uh catastrophic events it, in our nation's recent history it actually kills me to think this way richard but my mind is certainly uh, it certainly leans that way and it's terrible to think that way about our, our government that's if indeed well, they are responsible for this and it's not you know our government on the whole it's a Obviously, a, a few highly placed uh, psychopaths um, in important positions can take control, and those people are named in uh, in, in many works of the 9/11 Truth Movement. One of which is Kevin Ryan's Another 19 Suspect, a book that is extraordinary. David Ray Griffin's work, A New Pearl Harbor, and other works uh, 
How Bush and Cheney Destroyed America is his latest book. It just came out. Nice. Like a few weeks ago. Yeah, Robert David Steele has been on the whole Dick Cheney is responsible for 9-11. He's been very vocal about that. Yeah. Very interesting. Of course, I, I did want to ask you another another name here, Miss uh, Judy Wood. Um, how, how do you feel about her work? Well, um, here's what I think. Um, well, here's what, what, what I know, uh, first of all. Go ahead. It's okay. We know that she um, makes a claim uh, that directed energy weapons were responsible for the destruction of the towers. She supports that claim with some questionable phenomena around the towers uh, and a speculation that the steel the steel framing turned to dust. Well, first of all, the steel framing didn't turn to dust. There's it's, it's distributed over a 1,400 foot diameter around each of the towers. It's not, as she correctly points out, stacked up at the bottom. And, and there's, of course, there's no floors, as we mentioned. Uh, but it is uh, equally distributed in this huge uh, outside the boundary of ground zero. And there's no steel dust in the dust. I mean, several different agencies have, uh, have reported on what's in the dust. Well, there's iron microspheres, as we talked about, but this is not uh, steel. And she says it's a cold event, um, not a hot event. So she denies all these witnesses who are talking about how hot this cloud was chasing them and of course all the dozens of witnesses of molten uh, metal in, in the underneath all three towers and pouring out of the south tower 10 minutes prior to its collapse uh, she says there were no explosions and yet we have hundreds of witnesses talking about explosions yeah and evidence of freely flying structural steel sections right so uh and she denies the evidence of thermite and nanothermite which is very well documented in ours and other works. So somebody who comes along and makes a claim that she uh, does for uh, directed energy weapons, for which she shows literally no evidence, and then uh, trashes the scientific forensic evidence and eyewitness testimony that we do have that's overwhelming, I have reason to be very suspicious. So that's how I feel. I feel I'm with you on that. Yes. And I've been very vocal about how I feel about Miss Judy Wood and her work. I've actually tried to interview her and she actually tried to interview me through email. And I was very insulted uh, by by that sort of play that she was trying to do there. And I've heard her on numerous shows. And uh, one, James Fetzer had tried to question her about her claims and she couldn't simply an answer uh, with any empirical evidence of directed free energy technology. It was rather shocking to hear. Yeah. She just stayed quiet. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand uh, why she's playing that sort of game. Yeah, I don't either. Um, so that's yeah. why I am yeah. suspicious. Right, I hear uh, you. But let, let's go to one more call before I let you go, Richard. Okay. Caller, you are live on the air. Go ahead. Uh, yes, um, uh, Michael, it's um, it's an honor to meet you. Um, uh, yes, uh is that Richard Gage, uh, AIA there? There he is, Richard Gage in the flesh, live and direct. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I, I, I once Richard Gage, AIA. In fact, um, in fact, hmm, it's been a long time. Uh, I, I think I verified about, hmm, around 1400 architects and engineers on the petition to Congress. Hi, Michael. My name, How are you doing? My name is, uh, Sean Brizendine. 
Oh, this is Sean. I thought you said it was Michael. I was thinking, yeah, Sean, great to hear your voice again. This is Sean Brizendine. Richard, <laughs> it is great to hear your voice. Um, I was just brought in. I heard you were on this show and, um, yeah, I, uh, I hear you're just, you're still just, um, doing it. And that's awesome. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. We're, we're still marching, Sean. In fact, oh, we could so use your help. <laughs> well, we've um, got well, lots of uh, architects and engineers to verify. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm always available, Richard. Whenever you need me, um, you know, I, I my uh, years at AE 911 Truth were um, probably my best years. They defined me. They um, have helped me uh, go on to um, what I do now, which is basically cryptocurrencies and cryptocurrency developments. Um, I uh, I was blessed to be able to have the help of um, Ryan Gage, who was a dear friend of mine, and helped me also in the early early times um and i i learned i learned a lot uh from my years at a 911 truth i mean absolutely everything i remember making experts speak out remember that richard <laughs> the yeah it was fantastic we worked very 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 hard on, on those projects oh i don't know if, of any did. volunteer I, I i i don't know of any volunteer who worked harder and more efficiently and more dedicated to sean prison team very nice thank you brother Thank you. Oh, thank you. It is just absolute. I'm just so excited to to hear from you, and um, I miss you guys, and I always wish you the best, and I hope to be able to um, um, assist you know someday again. And I'm always here. Oh, awesome, brother. That's awesome. Are you still in the uh, North Sonoma area? I'm in Santa Rosa. Yes, Sonoma. Um, yeah. I just got back. Yeah, I nice. lived in Sacramento for about six years, but Very now cool. I'm. Now I'm back in, in Sonoma County and yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, but M- Michael, I, 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 I began at AE 911 Truth in, uh, 2009 and was on the verification team. I, I moved up to become the verification team leader. Um, I worked my way all the way up to, um, be a member of the core team. I ran Basecamp, which was our virtual office, the email server. I worked with some of the some of the most talented, uh, smartest individuals in, in my life, um, Greg Roberts, uh, just, I mean, people people that I'm mean, just amazing amazing patriots that cared about people and the this country and, and where we're going Love and that. everything and nine and nine eleven we we just we, we kept 100 percent to the facts and we never ever ever went anywhere else but that and that's why um, architects and engineers nine eleven truth is that important today because um they are they're the ones that just keep strictly to the facts and not anything else i i can respect that yes i thank you guys i thank you both very much for being as outspoken as both of you have been for the whole truth movement thank you thank you thank you yes yeah i'm glad you guys can both talk by the way it seems like you guys haven't uh reached out to each other in a while in a long time (laughs) yeah yeah, you guys. It's been a long know, time. Yeah, you, you guys need like to do yesterday. some work together here. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. There's always more work to do. Let's do it, yeah, Sean. Get you back in there with Richard. Let's do it. I, okay. Well, I'm serious. I, I, I will send you an email, Richard, and um, I, I look forward to um another Thursday call if they're still happening very soon. Awesome. 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 Yes. Tell everybody hello for me. You bet. I will. All right. Thank you, Sean, right. for the call. Take care, brother. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, Mike. Right, take care. And that was Sean. Uh, New listener. I've never spoke to him before, and I'm glad he came in here and said hello to you, Richard. Yeah, me too. What, what an exceptional man uh, who 
came in at a very hard time in his life, and um, we just we just worked together on all kinds of stuff, projects and personal stuff, and uh, there's a shining night right yeah, there. That's what it's all about, connecting like that. I, it's beautiful stuff, really. And what's coming up for the whole architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, Richard? What's come? What do you mean? What's what's coming up here in the near future? Do you have oh, any? Oh, coming up. Yeah, any oh. speaking engagements. Yeah, what's absolutely. Up? Yeah, we mentioned uh, the National Press Conference, uh, excuse me, National Press Club on September 11th at 1 p.m. in Washington, D.C. We will be having our press conference announcing the Bobby McElveen Act, which requires the Congress to investigate. We're looking then for a... Uh, a, a congressperson to take up the cause, uh, at least introduce the legislation so that we can be, make others uh, aware of it at that scale. Uh, when we had 1,000, 2,000, and now 3,000 architects and engineers demanding a new investigation, we've gone to every member of Congress, provided them our materials, our petition. This time we're giving them the act, uh, the preliminary results of the finite element analysis study performed by the chair of the Civil Engineering Department, Professor Leroy Holsey at the University of Alaska, we will be talking about those at the press conference. I will also be in New York Friday night, September 8th at 7 o'clock with a film festival. We'll be showing, uh, interestingly, you should ask me about that, Peter Ketchum. We nice. have our new film cool. coming out about his whistleblowing effort as a former employee of NIST. We will then uh, be also showing the Ed Asner narrated 15-minute documentary about World Trade Center 7, and I'll be announcing the Bobby McElvain Act there as well. There will also be the 9-11 Walking Museum Walking Tour Guide, an app, which is a video created by Barbara Huntinger. Barbara Huntinger, yeah. Uh, that will be shown. Are, yeah, that will be shown at the festival as well. Are, are, are you going to see her by, by any chance there? Yeah, sure. Oh, please tell her I said hello. Okay. Love we'll Barbara, yes. Fantastic, yes. by the and way. By, mm-hmm. uh, that night, um, after the in Washington D.C., after the press conference, there's another panel of speakers speaking, and uh, that will include Barry Kissin, uh, who who is an expert on the anthrax, which is directly 9/11 oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, related, of course, because that was used to frighten the congresspersons uh, and threaten, really. Correct. Um, uh, and, and into having into not having uh, a further deep investigation as they were calling for, um, those two congresspersons. Um, and then uh, uh, Michael J. Springman, who, uh, J. Michael Springman, who will be um, and has written a book on visas for al-Qaeda. Uh, he exposes CIA's involvement in getting uh, uh, visas for some of, some of the 19 fundamentalist hijackers and many others. Uh, And I'll be there, of course, uh, also speaking uh, on on behalf of the science at the World Trade Center uh, demolitions. So that's uh, happening Monday night, September 11th. Will there be a live stream, Richard, for those online? Yeah, that'll be live streamed Ah, Monday night. Perfect, perfect. And and it may be live streamed Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. at the the National Press Club. The Monday night event in Washington, D.C. is at the Holiday Inn uh, in Arlington, uh, people can go to dc911truth.org for that Monday night event. And for our event on Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., that's ae911truth.org. 
and for the event on Friday night in New York uh, at, at September 8th at um, 6, no, 7, 7 p.m. Uh, people can uh, Google uh, New York 9-11 Truth Action. Very nice. And I do want to thank you very much for spending some time here with us on End of Days. It's always an honor and privilege to speak to you, Richard. Thank you. Likewise, Michael. I'm very grateful. Awesome. And we'll do this again in the very near future, Richard. Thanks once again, and I'll let you go gracefully now. <laughs> All right. Very good. I'll walk gracefully <laughs> from this point forward, and thanks for the opportunity. All right, sir. Good night, and, and God bless. Likewise. Take thanks care. so much. And, of course, that was my guest, Mr. Richard Gage. Amazing guest, as usual. My goodness, it's been since 2014 since we last spoke on the air. Holy crap. I do want to thank all of you out there for listening to this program. My goodness. If you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time live on the TuneIn radio app. Keep in mind I will return with Mr. Michael Aquino next week. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Sherry. Sweating the cord is hard out. I'm not that way. I'm a Christian. Stop out of that. Stop out of that. You mentioned the Illuminati. Yeah, we're about to go into it. It's behind the scenes, but the Illuminati certainly is part of the whole thing. The top members of the Illuminati are open Christians. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. It's clear. How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hogan right now. It's crazy. I had no idea they should exist before 726. Oh, a Grammy. I'm not a Grammy. I'm a TV real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, yeah, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity. Speaking of really, 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 really. Yeah, Mr. Rusev. That's him. I like that, man. It's the simplest shit. You go in there, you see the butt, and then you say, you know, you're like, I'm going to smoke. You were you were a headline guy, I'm and still then a headline guy. You know what I mean? You, for a while you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while it's you were I actually do, you, you, know were running, I mean? you were running a gym. Tell us about that. Running a gym? Weren't you Why running you a gym at some point? You're supposed to be a news guy. <laughs> That's our research. You aren't. You this aren't. Is ridiculous. I come on CNN, and the guy don't even know what he's talking about. Go ahead. You at no point were you running a gym? Um, no, no, running a gym. What, no, you, you need didn't a take a time out. Jesus fucking Christ with these guys. I come on the news for two seconds and, and you want to say, every All time right. I do an interview, a guy wants to open his fucking mouth. Can't All right, even Andrew, do a little thank fucking you very much. Here. We thought that you, you could know, hold go back. fuck yourself. You know what? All I'm right. Fuck the whole fucking network. We'll go back to uh, talking about Art Carney.